And welcome into the round table here. Bill Priestley here alongside Zach Strickland and Thomas Watson. As you can tell, we're going to play another game of Would You Rather. Five scenarios for these two. They get to argue which scenario that would rather take. And uh, maybe the other one will take the opposite one just to be fun about it. We'll see what happens in this. Uh, ripped from the headlines, let's get to it. You ready, you ready gentlemen? Ready. Let's go. All right. Number one, you're the CEO, excuse me, of a company who is just about to go on your second quarter earnings call. And the news you have to present isn't great, and it's not even good, but it's not terrible either. Operating ratio is higher. Earnings almost met expectations, which were forecast to be lower than normal anyway. And your main competitor in the market beat you on more than half the metrics. Would you rather, A, tell the truth, or B, not tell the whole truth? Mr. Wasp. I'm going to go with the, uh, I would normally pick not tell the whole truth because that's what normally happens. I'm going to go with tell the truth. If you're already at a situation where you're getting beat by your competitors and you're the CEO and your share price is going to take a hit anyway, just be honest. Just drop the mic because, you know, there is a certain quality in candor and being upfront and honest. Now, you may lose your job for it because your shareholder will be pissed, but you <laughs> will have a very great moment of providing some clarity in the situation and good corporate governance should say that you should tell the truth and not be incentivized to simply goose your share price. Zach, we've talked about ethics in uh, earnings calls a little bit before. What do you think here? I mean, I know we want to take the moral high ground a lot of times, uh, and but rarely do we ever tell the whole truth anyway. <laughs> um, and especially when you're talking about corporate calls, like you, you're not required to disclose everything possible and your shareholders actually don't want you to disclose everything possible. <laughs> yeah. The only reason to tell the whole truth here is if you're trying to prepare for a future state. Um, if you want to maybe make sure that your stock gets that extra goose next time, but sometimes you want to discount your stock a little bit. And that makes a lot of sense here. So I think in this situation, it does depend on what your long game is. Uh, I think for the interim though, if you're simply just trying to manage the situation, just tell them what they need to know and then move forward because you're not going to sit there and go through all the details and minutia that go into governing a company. Obviously, every, every earnings call has just a little bit of stuff. All right, Zach, you're first here. You're the president or leader of a G7 nation that put a price cap on Russian oil as a sanction for the country's invasion of Ukraine. That Russian oil has just gotten above that cap of $60 a barrel and is trading at that raised level. Would you rather enforce the cap in whatever ways you can, perhaps even by force, or B, not enforce it and wonder what you were thinking in the first place? <laughs> I, I, I think I will take the moral high ground here and, <laughs> and definitely enforce the cap. I, I think this is something that you have to do to make sure that this, this is a long game play, mm -hmm. for sure. You, if you don't enforce the cap, you're just opening the door to other instability and, and longer, unsustainable situations in the future. And that is the only reason uh, to enforce the cap. And that's absolutely why you have to, because if you don't enforce the cap today, yeah, you get a little short-term boost situation, but now you're just opening the door to chaos in the future. All right, Mr. Watson? I'm gonna go the uh, other way. Do not enforce the cap. Okay. Get your oil, because you're responsible ultimately to your populace and not what the U.S. foreign policy is. If I'm a G7 country and I'm not the United States, why should I decide to uh, you know, take higher inflation, higher cost of energy for the sake of whatever you're trying to do. Now, I will tell you in public, though, I fully support what you're doing and we need to sanction Russia because Russia is bad. But guess what? I'm my own country, so I'm going to do whatever it takes to ensure my stability. And I'll just buy it from India or I'll buy it from another producer. I mean, the thing is, that's what we're seeing right now. So 
what we're seeing, you know, it's no longer a unipolar system. So why don't I just play a France card, and I'm assuming this would be a French thing to do, <laughs> is let's go free agent and do what we want anyway. What's the worst that can happen? Is the Biden administration, or are you, you going to like, uh, you're going to put some, you're going to try to sanction my oil? Are you going to put something on me? Like, what, what, what are you going to do? Because right now I feel like there is a situation, and we're seeing this with other nations, that uh, due to the current political climate, we almost have this uh, China, United States, and Russian situation, especially geopolitical and energy. I mean, there's opportunities to kind of make my own way, get some brownie points at home, get elected again. So I'll just pay it lip service. I'll do that. All right. Well, keep in mind, of course, that oil sales lend also funds the Russian war effort. UPS, number three, recently made a tentative agreement with the Teamsters that looks like it's going to pass ratification in that deal. If you're the leader of UPS, you made a lot of concessions in terms of pay and benefits. But strategic analysts say that if you simply raise rates, losses in those areas can be recouped from your customers. Would you rather raise rates, pass the buck on to the, on to the customer, or not raise rates and try to keep as many customers as possible, knowing, of course, that you lost 5% of your business basically because of the scare of a possible strike? Raise the rates. FedEx is going to do it anyway, so might as well raise it. So a situation where if FedEx raises, I can, or if I raise, FedEx can't. Until another provider, until there's enough competition within the market, I mean, who else are you going to go with? Oh, you're going to go to FedEx. We're going to get mad at FedEx. You're going to come back to me anyway. So, uh, you know, kick it up a notch. Bam. All right. <laughs> I, I want to disagree with you, but as a pricing guy, I have to say raise the rate. Uh, I mean, that's, that's 15 years of, of experience talking. You have to raise the rates, especially in a market where it's not fragmented. Uh, you've got three or four potential options here you're going to get that business back. Uh, the other competitors are going to raise their rates, like Thomas said as well. Uh, and also UPS, we don't know where they stand in the course of like over the last few years because FedEx already raised their rates. <laughs> and mm -hmm. UPS didn't have to take a lot of those cost increases that FedEx has already absorbed into their network. So I think by nature, and I'm assuming this, FedEx or UPS has a little bit more leeway here to raise their rates. Uh, and again, over time, service in the parcel sector always wins. All right, number four. Today is today. Today is the six-month anniversary of the Norfolk Southern derailment in New Palestine, Ohio. You, as the PR director, get to make the call as to how you want to refer to the event, as the company has to pay out about eight hundred million dollars. <throat> excuse me for the cleanup so far. Would you rather refer to it as the derailment that happened in New Palestine, Ohio, or as you did refer to it, the Eastern Ohio incident? Uh, the Eastern Ohio incident, for sure. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely more ambiguous, obviously a little bit more pleasing to the ear. It also sounds like a number of things that I've heard about in the past. It's almost like a, a storyline that happened in 1936, you know, that you read in some sort of his history textbook. So I think it's definitely the Eastern Ohio incident. It also may be confused with literature to an extent. And I want to kind of diffuse as much noise as I can around this incident. All right, Mr. Watson. I would go with derailment. I mean, your your average consumer is going to be bothered about other stuff anyway. So yeah. it's kind of, it, it's already off the radar. It's not in the news cycle anymore. I'm just going to call it a derailment. You know, it happens. They felt they derail all the time. There's sometimes in parts of California. Uh, I think that it also, the longer it is, the person's going to rail the derailment, but their attention span's so short, they're just not going to care. Or they can't recognize East Palestine on a map, which statistically <laughs> may be the chance. So it's a wash. I'm just going to go with derailment. Make it longer. They're not going to figure it out.
All right, final one here, both of you. Uh, this is a good one, too. The small town of Gunter, Texas, population 2,500, is not happy about BNSF building a railroad hub in its town, though it would bring some jobs to the area. Instead, the citizens say that they won't want the noise pollution and would rather BNSF take their hub somewhere else. Would you rather, if you're BNSF, take your hub somewhere else or build the hub and tell Gunter, Texas, to get over it? Are you going to mess with Texas, Mr. Watson? I'll just build it in the town over. Just move it over. If you're if you're a town and you're that dumb, let me just say that. <laughs> you're that stupid to decide that what is your what is your job? To create jobs. And because of nimbyism and you're worried about the the signals and signs of a train, you know there's probably a track already running through it. That's why they're building a hub. When you build rail hubs, it's on existing tracks. You idiots don't understand that you already have a train going through your town. Might as well build it and build some jobs in your tiny town. Population 2,500, you can actually get more tax revenue. So yeah, I would put it right next to it, 20 miles over, and I'd forbid from hiring any of you people who said that we shouldn't have it. I would I would play mean like that because in my personal opinion, this is the, the perfect example of uh, a failure and effective policy in governments at the small town level. Great job, you played yourself. <laughs> <laughs> the NSF has said they've backed off and they're going to reconsider, but would you do it or would you move? I, I kind of support the backing off here a little bit. And I would take a few things into a consideration first, obviously knowing where the railroad tracks are. Uh, the existing railroad tracks make a huge uh, difference here in terms of whether or not they want to build here or not. But overall, you don't, as a railroad, you really want to manage the PR game a little bit more effectively. The railroads don't have the best overall perception in the public eye nor in the business world uh, in general because they, they have this old railroad magnate type uh, perception. And I don't think you want to mess with this too much, even if it's a small town. It's not necessarily about Gunther itself, but about the rest of the world being like, oh, look at the railroads running over yet another small town. All right, very interesting, you guys. Uh, Kaylee, do you have a, 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 an opinion as to who possibly came out the winner here as well? I don't know if there's a winner today. I think it's it's kind of evenly matched, but Thomas definitely wins on energy and enthusiasm. So great job, Thomas. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, guys, for doing this edition of Would You Rather. Let's go back to 